What number is this, Chip? Episode 66. Return of the Monkey's Color Cast Commentary with Son of the Gypsy. Zilch Fan Gatherings. Hashtag Induct the Monkeys into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Jeff Geringer interviews Julie Newmar. And more. Okay, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I know. You're listening to Zilch, a Monkeys podcast. podcast full of monkeys and here i am joined by zilch co-founder jeff hewlett hello jeff hey mr mills how are you oh man it is a busy time in the world of the monkeys and a busy time for you in particular you just got back from two really cool events Mm -hmm. one of them out in las vegas would you like to tell our folks what you do in your spare time oh god yeah so this was my third time going to the Star Trek Las Vegas convention. This was a special year. It was the 50th anniversary. It was a, an extended five-day convention. And in uh, my other life, I am the uh, co-founder and uh, co-host for all the shows under our Star Trek banner called the Tricorder Transmissions. We have a little bit of a Star Trek network of podcasts that we operate on all sorts of Star Trek topics. And uh, one of the topics we do is a show called Shore Leave, which is focused on Star Trek conventions. So we went out there, my Shore Leave co-hosts and I went out there and partied it up for five days with all our friends and Trekkies out there. And we also celebrated our third anniversary of the Tricorder Transmissions. Had a really nice party on Thursday night, August the 4th, with our friends from the band Five Year Mission and a bunch of our listeners. And it was the first time in all of Trek history that all of our co-hosts for the show were all in the same room at the same time. That's amazing. So it was unbelievable to have everybody in the same place. It was really heartwarming, really emotional. And you got to hang out with some fantastic stars from the Star Trek galaxy and autographs and cosplay and all sorts of fun. As a matter of fact, from what I understand, there was Santa Gorn running around Las Vegas. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, actually, it's funny you mention that. So uh, my friends from the last two conventions have been bugging me to get into the cosplay universe, (laughs) and I've never really had the nerve to do it. So this year, they were busting my stones for months and months and months. And I said, you know what, all right, I'm going to do something, but I'm not talented enough to sew my own costumes. And some of the nice, really nice ones are super expensive. And I wasn't prepared to spend two, three, four, five hundred dollars on a uniform. So I said, well, what can I do? So I had this Gorn mask laying around that I used for Halloween years ago. I said, well, what can I do with this Gorn mask that I got from Amazon years ago? And for some reason, I was sitting there and Santa Claus came into my mind. And I said, what would it be like? if there was a Gorn Santa Claus on the Gorn homeworld. So I ordered a Santa suit and I slapped a hat on and and a Santa suit and some shoes. And I I got some special buttons made to hand out to anybody who wanted to take a picture with me. And it went, I did it once a day for each day at the convention for about an hour or two each day. And it was a huge, huge hit unexpectedly. I think he's probably going to get his own Twitter feed at some point. I had thought about it. I had thought about it. I've already had requests for him to come back next year. So I don't know if I'm going to do him every single day, but um, 
He'll probably be there a couple he of days. He will make an appearance. Plus, you've already got half of a monkey's cosplay costume done. All you need to do is put a green wool hat on, and you can be Mike from the MTV tapings. There you go. So, there you go. You know, there you go. Perfect. I love it. Symmetry. And speaking of uh, conventions and gatherings, you were recently at a zilch gathering of sorts at Randy's Man Cave in New Jersey. Yeah, that was just the other day. It was pretty cool. It was a last-minute thing. I, I yeah. didn't know about it uh, going into it. And you, you sent me a, a note letting me know maybe, what, a couple of days before? Yeah. And just happens to be, what, about 20-ish minutes from my front door? So super convenient. Really nice. I hadn't been to Randy's record store in, God, I can't remember. It's been a year or two at least since I've been there. Uh, I, I go to a couple other places right down the street from him. There's a couple really nice restaurants in Bordentown that we frequent so it was cool there's a couple a nice handful of zilchers there got to meet a few people and um took a few pictures which i think wound up on the zilch page somewhere absolutely and uh, it was it was a really good time randy's a really great guy it was nice to see him again i hadn't seen him um i hadn't seen him very much i saw him at that peter tork show on thanksgiving a couple years back got to say hi to him there and it was nice to catch up with him for a few minutes and he had sold out of all of the vinyl that they had in stock so fantastic so yeah hello to everybody out there and you know it's it's been it's been such a cool time we've been giving away a lot of zilch buttons uh at a show this weekend uh, mickey was there with Ileana douglas and john hughes and andrew sandoval out in california and tim powers from deep dish radio was there sarah and richard woloski was there and val carey was there and Rodney Binghamheimer and tons of people and it was so neat because actual Rhino staffers and Warner staffers were handing out zilch buttons. Wow. How cool is that? That's pretty cool. And you can actually now, prior prior to this we've been giving away the buttons for free and we've been uh, handing them to people at events. But here's a way that folks can get zilch buttons. Check this out. A lot of people ask how they can get the buttons. Buttons, buttons, how can we get the buttons? Well, here's what we can do. We wanted to give them away free to everybody. The problem is, is getting them to you. We've been giving them away at shows, but not everybody can get to a show. So what we're doing is we're giving away the buttons for free. We don't know how long we can do this. We don't know how long we're going to do it. But for a limited time, you can get your own cool zilch button. It's three inches of coolness. All we ask is that you pay shipping and handling. It's $3. And you can purchase via PayPal. And what you do is you can email zilchorders at gmail.com. Just write down your name and the number of buttons you want. And if you have any questions, you can also email zilchorders at gmail.com. Make sure you leave your address in the comments when you order. And if you don't have PayPal, email and explain your situation. So you can purchase via PayPal at zilchorders at gmail.com. Or you can just send an email to zilchorders at gmail.com. So if you're interested, there you go. That's a way to get a zilch button. So very cool. The monkeys were on AXS TV. Jeff, did you get to check that out? Yeah, it was great, Ken. Yeah, and even though there were some technical difficulties, it was just fantastic. And we had, speaking of zilch buttons, tons of people there. Hello to Joey Haney and Opalina and everybody, including Kathy Davini. She made sure that the buttons got there. So hello to everybody out there and hello to all of our new friends. We hope to have uh, Joey and Opalina on the show to talk about that soon. Uh, just so much going on. Yeah, did you, uh, did you uh, mention yet, Ken, the other big deal? What's that? 
that our commentary for Keep Off the Grass is finally coming out? Oh, no. Actually, we'll be able to get Keep Off My Grass on October 3rd. So we look forward to having Ian Lee on the show to talk about it. So that's going to be fantastic. And, of course, the commentary track on there features the Zilch crew. That's right, all of us. And it's uh, it's fantastic that we're part of a DVD. Just amazing. Yep, we are. I, I, I'm sure that everybody else who was involved, you and I and Craig and Sarah and Melanie, everyone is going to be super, super excited for this release. I know I'm going to be buying multiple copies to give away. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> A lot of amazing things happening this week. The anniversary of some very cool things. We've got the anniversary of the single Last Train to Clarksville that was released. It's hard to believe. It's absolutely amazing. That was on August 16th. 1966 and in monkey's birthdays we have julie newmar's birthday this week that's right our our own april conquest uh <laughs> she celebrated a birthday tuesday august 16th and we also have rosemarie who also had a birthday this last monday so ready to jump into the monkey's mailbag yep. here we go p.o box nine eight four seven Today in our monkey mailbag, we heard from Zilch listener Kate Clyborne. She recently bought a monkey's men's shirt and dressed up as one of her favorite heroes. It was at the request of her husband, John Clyborne, who was going into the hospital for surgery. He knew that if she dressed up as his favorite hero, that he would be okay. After coming out of the procedure, she was there in her monkey men costume. Things are on the mend. We'd like to give a shout out to John Clayborne. We'd like to say hello to John. And thank you, Kat. You are a super cool wife, and you are indeed a monkey man. <laughs> so we'd like to salute all the heroes in our listening audience. This looks like a job for... <laughs> monkey men! Up, up and away! We'd also like to send prayers out to the family of... Walter Hurig, a new Zilcher that we picked up in Dallas, so so that's very cool. Over the last month or so, we've been hearing from Chris Wales, and Chris has been going through a rough time of it. Chris had a stroke on Martin Luther King's Day this year. Another incident six days later, his foot went dead and he was admitted to the ER from rehab. He spent two weeks in the hospital, and then he had a spinal tap and got diagnosed with MS. So things were looking pretty glum. After five months of rehab, he just went back to work, and it's been a long road back to there, and it turns out that the Zilch Facebook page and the Zilch podcast has been there keeping him company along the way, and he said listening to Zilch helped him get through recovery and therapy, and now he's actually back at work, and he's got a Zilch button <laughs> that he has taken along with him at work, and he wears it right on his lanyard, so keep monkeying around Chris and we're, we're glad to be here for you and Zilch is more than just a podcast it's more than a Facebook page it's a bunch of people sending love from all across the globe so we want to thank you all for being part of it Peter Tork and Shoe Suede Blues have announced that they are doing two shows and two shows only in 2016 and Jeff I know that you've seen Peter Tork before and you Melanie and Craig caught the show last time and that was a blast yeah, Peter Tork Show is a rare event. And let me tell you, I was so hoping for the um, New Jersey show to pop up this year. And unfortunately, uh, it wasn't able to be. So keeping my fingers crossed, maybe uh, we'll get a supplemental date later on. 
hopefully you'll be able to make it down there, Jeff. Yeah, seeing Peter was a huge highlight for me in, in 2014 uh, around Thanksgiving time. was fantastic, and I'm telling you, if you have an opportunity to do it, I mean, I think you got a couple chances, but if you have an opportunity to do it, please don't pass it up because I was so glad that I went. We had a great time. Peter has so much energy, you know, and if you're worried, if you're not, if you haven't listened to Shoe Sway Blues before, don't worry. They're great. He does some monkey's tunes too, and he's just so much fun. And you get to meet him too, and it's nice to sit and talk to him for a second, shake his hand, tell him how much you love him and how much you love his music. And it's it's an all around great show. And of course, you get to hang out with a fellow monkeys and Peter fans. What more could you want? Here are the only two times you're going to get to see Peter Tork and Shoe Suede Blues in 2016. You'll have two two chances to see Peter Tork and Shoe Suede Blues. In the only two appearances in 2016, two, two Peter Tork and Shoe Suede Blues shows. Friday, October 14th at Club 66 in Edgewood, Maryland. Show starts at 7 p.m. Come meet Peter Tork and the rest of Shoe Suede Blues. Hang out, dance, and have a good time. Then see them again Sunday, October 16th at the Infinity Music Hall, Hartford, Connecticut at 7.30 p.m. Do not miss these two chances to see Peter Tork up close and personal with Shoe Suede Blues, both at Edgewood, Maryland and Hartford, Connecticut. Two, two, Peter Tork and the Shoe Suede Blues. Be there or be square. Don't miss it. The only chance to see Peter Tork and Shoe Suede Blues in 2016. And we'd like to send a shout out to the Peter Tork Facebook page. It is the real Peter Tork Facebook page, and it's just so well done, and it's so well taken care of, and Peter seems to be really involved in it in a lot of ways, and uh, it's it's really cool. But we encourage people to check it out. You know, Zilch will be represented at these shows, so I think Melanie and Sarah are going to be at these events. Unfortunately, um, I, I wasn't able to get myself clear for the Maryland show. I have some work obligations. I know Melanie and Sarah will be there, so check out these two shows it's the only time you're going to get to see them in 2016 but the monkeys being on tour the tour that never ends <laughs> hi fellow zilch fans this is dr roseanne welch author of why the monkeys matter teenagers television and american pop culture a book about the enduring significance of the monkeys as a groundbreaking television program one that introduced audiences to new ideas of political ideology and new concepts of class and feminist theory. A program that challenged the rules of a new medium and paved the way for future innovation. Why the Monkeys Matter highlights the artistic achievements of the show's writers, actors, directors, and other artists, and celebrates all that the monkeys mean to television, to American popular culture, and to us, the fans. Why the Monkeys Matter is available in print and for Kindle, Apple iBooks, and Nook from your favorite bookseller. Find out more at RoseanneWelch.com. R-O-S-A-N-N-E-W-E-L-C-H.com. This is John Billings of the Monkeys Turing Band, and you're listening to Zilch, the Monkeys Podcast. And please use the hashtag, InductTheMonkeys, and let's get these guys into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And of course, we've been busy trying to get the Monkeys into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with our hashtag, InductTheMonkeys movement. And, and people are tweeting it, and it's it's all over Facebook, and people are making really cool graphics. Jeff, what are your thoughts on the monkeys being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, you know, I've been keeping track 
of the uh, induct the monkeys hashtags and popping up all over the place. And it, it's pretty exciting to see all of the fans, especially the zilch community, the zilch nation, all getting behind this movement. I think that if history proves anything that these fan campaigns do have an influence on people who are bands who get in, inducted. So, you know, I remember years ago, there was a campaign to get yes inducted, um, big, big fan uprising. So, um, you know, keep the faith, everybody out there and, and keep plugging away and keep posting the memes and the funny pictures and the hashtags. And, you know, you just might make it happen. Well, let's check out this interview with Bill O'Reilly and Davy Jones. And they talk about the monkeys being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and why they should be in there. Back in the book segment tonight in 1966, a TV show featuring the pop group The Monkees debuted on NBC. It became a huge hit. Subsequently, The Monkees sold 65 million records. The group had four straight number one albums. Despite that success, a movement to ban The Monkees from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland is being led, apparently, by Rolling Stone magazine. Joining us now from Miami is the lead singer of The Monkees, Davy Jones. Foxies.com uh, reports that Jan Wenner, uh, Jan Wenner, whatever, the editor, he doesn't like me either, so don't be insulted. Um, just thinks that the Monkees were a contrived showbiz invention, not a real rock group, don't deserve a Hall of Fame, and that he's behind keeping you guys out. What do you think? Well, you know, uh, I haven't really thought much about it until this occasion. Uh, I, I, I guess he, he must be in charge. He's the one that makes these decisions. He's got a lot and, of um, influence. Yeah, I guess he does, yeah, because it, but, but if he doesn't like you, well, well how could he like me? <laughs> that, that's <laughs> what I, I, you know, you're absolutely right. But you guys sold 65 million records. I mean, that, that's, well, I mean, yeah, come on. And, and well, the, it, with all due respect to a lot of the groups in, uh, in, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they don't come close to what you guys did as far as the commercial aspect of it. Well, you know, it's the Rock and Roll Museum or Hall of Fame, whatever they call it. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, back in the 60s, it was amazing times, you know. We toured, I remember, you know, touring with Jimi Hendrix and Ike and Tina Turner and uh, The Fifth Dimension and lots of other great bands, you know, sitting around having great times together, you know. Jimi Hendrix, what a great player he was, you know. He didn't really play the guitar left-handed. That was just part of his show. Now, you were considered <laughs> kind of a bubblegum group, though, with Last Train from Clarksville and kind of the soft rock songs. Um, um, did you see your guy? Did you guys see yourself as legitimate rock group or kind of a pop phenomenon? Well, you know, I think uh, I think good things stand the test of time, and I think the Monkees has, has, has proved that. As far as uh, as far as being a legitimate group, I don't really know what is in show business. It's a it's a business, and therefore you got to present yourself in the way that people enjoy it. You know, I go out to perform uh, uh, about you know thirty, forty concerts a year, and uh, uh, but back in the sixties, uh, when I suppose these opinions were gathered uh, about being. Um, being a, a sort of like a, a manufactured image with no philosophies, we, we you know we were still doing. I do, I still believe I'm rock and roll. I, you know I I can I can give you lots of stories. Talk about the times we sat around, you know, passing the joint in the room there, whatever, and and watching the rest of the world go by. It's pretty much been. Um, so you a consider yourself career. more of a um, a rocker than an actor. Well, you know, you've got to be a bit of an actor to be a rocker okay. too, because a lot of it's what it's you it's what you well. present. It, one, one, one more question for you. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think people remember that it was almost an American Idol thing to put you four guys together, that you had to go through auditions and they, they were selecting just the right guys to kind of like be a sitcom Beatles. 
That's exactly right. It was a hard day's night on television every week. It had no storyline. It had no plot. It was just a fun time that kids could be, you know, sort of getting something out of the refrigerator at the same time as watching the TV show. So there was no, uh, there's no undercover sort of a, a, a presentation that we didn't put out right in front of their eyes. It, it was a great fun time, and it, and I, I'm sure that you used to run home from school and watch it yourself. Uh, I wasn't a big monkeys fan because um, I, I don't know why I wasn't, but uh, I tell you now, I like your records yeah. better now that I'm well, an old guy. Um, well, I'm a, yeah. You know, they're on the oldie stations all the time. And you know what, Mr. Jones? You guys deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You deserve well, it. thank you very much. You're a phenomenon. Okay, well, what you, you know, you're around. People still home your tunes. So you guys got to be in there, and I'm going to try to make it happen for you. And we'll talk to you again. Thank you for coming on. All we right. All the best. Earlier we talked about it being Julie Newmar's birthday this week. Let's dial up Jeff Geringer on the Zilch Hotline. Hello. Hello, Jeff Geringer. So you recently got to talk to Julie Newmar. Can you tell us a little bit about it? You know, Ken, I was thinking the other day that it, it's been a long time since we've heard anything from Julie Newmar. I, I don't know about you, but I love Julie Newmar. When I was a kid on Batman, my word, she was just lovely. And of course, she started the monkeys Get Out More Dirt. She was the beautiful girl that all four guys fell in love with. And I talked with Julie a little bit about her memories of her time with the monkeys. We speak to the beautiful star of the monkeys Get Out More Dirt, Julie Newmar. Oh, hello. Can I help you? Well, I, I was just running by and I, that's, I thought I'd, um, yes. What, what, what are you doing? That's for my postgraduate studies. Oh. I'm an alumnus at the Laundromatic Institute of San Bredou. Yes. I majored in laundry science. Oh, really? Yeah. You should do well in that business. Well, you may not realize it, but laundry is a science. Like astronomy, physics. What are you doing here? April and I are having a private conversation about laundering science. It's a science, you know. Yeah? Yeah, that's right. It's like astrology. <laughs> what are you doing here? Huh? What am I? Well, um, well, I thought I'd uh, come down and, and, and see another commercial. <laughs> What's that? I'm working on my doctor's thesis. Why can't your doctor work on his own thesis? <laughs> Yeah, what are you doing here? Oh, I was passing by. I thought I'd come in and see my old aunt. A lamp. My aunt. Uh, why, why don't you tell us more about laundering, April? The Monkeys podcast takes great pride in presenting a brief interview with Julie Newmar. She has entertained the world for over six decades. She came to the attention of the world as the star of the sitcom That Living Doll but she's probably best remembered as the sultry and sexy Catwoman on the classic 1966 television series, Batman. She's beloved to Monkees fans for her role in The Monkees Get Out More Dirt. It was quite a fun episode with lots of frolics and certainly flirts for all the boys. Julie was kind enough to spend a few minutes from her home in Los Angeles. Thank you again for spending time with us. That's so kind of you. Yeah, what are you what are you putting together there? Well, we we have a a, a monkey's podcast that happens two or three times a month. Oh, a podcast! And because you are in such demand as being the star of one of the fans' favorite episodes, monkeys get out more dirt. Oh yeah, 
I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about your thoughts and memories about 1967 and, and what that year was for you personally and professionally, and then... We were all beautiful then. Did <laughs> well, you notice? Listen, I've seen you at Did enough... Did you see in our flat tummies and our, our giggles and our gaiety and our... Our spontaneity, I like that. I like yes, but I've I've, I've met you at uh, autograph shows, and you you are stunning. So thank you. I work for a radio station here in the Inland Empire. Yeah. Let me ask you about 1967. Now, when you before you went and guest starred on the Monkeys episode, yeah. you were in the height of Batmania. It was that, quite a year for you. No, no, no. no. That, that, oh, I thought that was 68. I guess I'm wrong. What? Do you have the year on that? Yeah, it aired, it was recorded in 67. Oh, oh, 66 to 68? Correct. Oh, who cares? But, no, uh, that's when it aired. Two okay. two seasons. Okay, Batmania. Yeah, that's right. So periodically, it, it, I did six episodes. One-hour ah. episodes. Five of which were great. <laughs> Reason being, it's always the writer. The writer gives you the juice and the funny words and the and the great parts to play, the great attitudes. Oh, so funny. I love writers. Mm. Mm. Was it fun for you to make the transition from uh, appearing on Batman into your guest role on The Monkees? It was a lark. Doing The Monkees is probably the easiest scene that ever happened, ever came my way. How so? The guys, it was like floating on air. There wasn't a, a moment of stress or strain. If it was, it became funny. They, 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 they just had an instinct for everything falling into place. They just made all the right moves. They were great. They got along. I, whatever went on backstage. You know, you, we y'all don't know those things, but it came out top drawer. They attracted the right directors, a wonderful director that directed uh, Get Out the Dirt. Mm -hmm. When you, you know what? This, it, wait, uh, Jeff, when you have this podcast, is it the, a live voice or it's all written down and people read it? Uh, no, it's a live voice. People <gasps> access it on the computers. Oh, I I'd better straighten up. No, 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 no. And you're not live, so I can I can change or edit even if I ask a stupid question. So, so, so no. <clears throat> so it's the voice. P people will hear the voice. Yes, people okay. hear the voice. I see. I see. Okay, so just no. <laughs> no problem. Um, also, for most of the millions of female monkey fans, they were quite jealous of your character because you basically got to flirt with each one of the boys. So they put themselves in my place. What's What's more fun? It is. I'm sure that's what they do. Oh, my God. Do you remember those musicians coming in? That They were so funky looking. And the one with the cello. Uh, <laughs> it's all funny. It's so funny. Just thinking about it just makes me happy all over. You know, it's stupid. Four guys mooning over the same girl. She's lovely. Delightful. With a richer, longer, everlasting charm. You know, I wonder what it'd be like going through life with a girl like that. Now, do you ever like to revisit your old programs, or...? Uh, well, I don't know. It, it comes up on, on YouTube now. And, but I'm doing new programs. I've got new programs. 
Oh, well, tell me about it. Yeah, if you if you want some fun, I mean, nobody has attention beyond two to three minutes. So I do these video films. I make video films. I make them right here in my my great office. I have great office because I have this huge window looking out on this gorgeous garden. Oh, beautiful! These birds are flying around because I feed them. That's why. Well, I know your garden is very important to you. I've seen those yeah. on your Facebook page. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. YouTube. You just go to Julie Newmar YouTube. I have a new one up. It's called The Mime. And the Mime and John, my son, my son's birthday party. It is flippin' delicious. It's about two and a half minutes. The music is just out of this world. And Derek, the mime, he is so funny and clever and cute and amusing and adorable. He... he I asked him to come to my son's birthday party. So my son's handicapped, you know. Mm -hmm. He goes to United Cerebral Palsy. He doesn't have a palsy, but he goes there. And here in Los Angeles. And everybody there, everybody there is in a wheelchair. He's not, but he's there. And he's deaf. And they have these art projects. And the, the company, the people, the teachers, the staff is just out of this world. So every year, I give him a birthday party, and I think, okay, how are we going to have fun on this next birthday? Last birthday, we had this genius, mm, they make um, balloons in all shapes and sizes, and, and they, you know, they look at you, and they create a balloon that just is, is pure merriment. Anyway. So you got to see this latest video of mine. It's um, the mime. It's called something of the mime. Mm -hmm. Oh, make sure the listeners take a chance to look at it. It's, it's just a It's it's as good as the monkeys. But see, uh, when they did their show, it's all this. It's this spontaneity. It's just letting good things happen. It's setting the stage with the right people, talent, the right talent. And letting them, uh, giving them a, a script, sure, uh, and then letting them improvise on it, and to just come up with their own great uh, wonderfulness. Oh, it sounds so much fun! It was 1967. Monkeys get out the dirt. Oh, yes. <laughs> I hate to ask. It's like asking, you know, something that's what's your favorite painting or something. Did you have one of the boys that you were fond of more than the others? Oh. And I didn't everybody. It was the shortest one. It was Daisy. Mm. Well, Daisy, in his British way, he was just so available to everybody. And his sweet smile and his dear manner. And now that he's gone, uh, what makes me happy is that everybody had something positive and loving to say about him. There wasn't any... Um, any wasn't any sadness about it except his not being with us. Right. But he is really because music lives on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, I, I I've seen you at autograph shows, and you couldn't be kinder or warmer to the fans, and it it means a great deal to us. You know that you spent some time with us here, and that you've always been so so open and friendly and and giving to us fans that you know your career was such a big part of. Well. Do you know why it's it's so wonderful for me? Because everybody's coming up to me and 
telling me their stories and what they saw and and that what from their point of view and I'm just electrified I'm just my eyes just brighten and and it's it I, I receive all this love <laughs> it's life has never been so good I tell you oh, I'm so happy going, for going, you oh, oh yeah going to the conventions is it's a love fest festival festival feast yeah, it's great to watch their faces after they leave meeting you and getting an autograph. They're just so happy, and that oh. that's so great. And and when they touch me, you know, or they say, can I have a hug? You know, oh, it feels so good. <laughs> that's so sweet. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, Monkey fans are so appreciative of you, and I, I'm so glad you had a few minutes to spend with us today. And <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah. There's no more? <laughs> I'm over? Gone? You're not, oh dear, you're not Empty? over. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, thank you. Never like to overstay our welcome, but thank you so much for spending time with us. Oh gee, it went by fast. Good, I'm glad. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much. Have a great morning. Okay. Take okay. care. Bye. Monkeys fans around the world appreciate Julie Newmar's legacy with the Monkeys. Thanks for joining us on Zilch, a Monkeys podcast. Well, before we get into the Monkeys color cast commentary, let's check out this really cool song, and it's by a band called the High Risers. And here's their song, Watch the Monkeys. We dedicate this to our one and only TV girl, Melanie Mitchell. So check this out. It's a fun track. Well, let's listen to it. I go Saturday to see her The day's already planned, she says to me From this fantasy no one can ever free her Well, I wish that it was me she'd rather see She just wants to stay inside and watch the monkeys And in front of her TV she's going to stay But every time they monkey around well, that girl just puts me down But I've gotta win her love in any way Hey, hey, hey She's got pictures on the wall from floor to ceiling Spends her babysitting bread on Tiger Beat And when Davy sings it really leaves her reeling I wish it was me that swept her off her feet she just wants to stay inside and watch the monkeys And in front of her TV she's going to stay And every time they monkey around That girl just puts me down But I've gotta win her loving anyway But in her fantasy she's happy Every time they monkey around, that girl just puts me down. But I've gotta win her love in any way.
cool song. And of course, you can buy that from Amazon or iTunes or go to their website. Check out the High Risers. And the album is called Hang Around With You. The track is called Watch the Monkeys. Fun song, fun song. And of course, we've got the Monkeys Color Cast Commentary. It is returning. Yeah, that's right, Ken. The Monkeys Color Cast Commentary is finally back. We're here with Son of a Gypsy. And we really hope folks dig it. We're really, really proud of how it came out. Well, we look forward to that. It's a it's a great part of our show. We don't just concentrate on just the music here. We concentrate on every bit of Monkey's culture, every bit of Monkey's history. So it's just fantastic. It's just great that the Monkey's Color Cast commentary is returning. So without further ado... All right, Jeff. Here's the big remote for the Color Cast commentary. You just have to press the button and it'll start. The the Yeah, that one right there. Okay, click. Hey, wait a minute, guys. You know what? It's 7.36.30 Central Time. It's time for the monkeys. I wonder if anybody around here has got a television set. Hi, friends. Ralph Williams, one of the world's largest... An island of peace on my stormy little planet of guns. Holy cliffhangers, Batman. The monkeys. Brought to you by Kellogg. Tonight's Monkey's Color Cast commentary is brought to you by Reynaldo's Dance-A-Go-Go. Want to learn to swing on the scene? Come to Reynaldo's Dance-A-Go-Go, where our friendly instructors will sign you up for a lifetime contract. And you can dance until you're 80. See you there. Hey there, Zillage Nation, and welcome to our Color Cast commentary for Son of a Gypsy. I am Jeff Hewlett, and with me tonight is Monkey Magic author, Melanie Mitchell. Hello. Hey, Melanie. Great to be back with you. Absolutely. Yeah. So, listen, before we get started with our commentary for Son of a Gypsy, let's get back to some unfinished business from way, way back, our last color cast for Too Many Girls. What have you got for us? Well, I have a couple of little things and one big thing. Um, The first thing is the question of which title came first. Um, There are two titles for the episode, either Too Many Girls or Fern and Davy. Or is it Davy and Fern? Hmm. Can't remember. But in any case, um, I was not able to find a script or, and I don't know anyone who has a script. If anyone does, please let me know. But I did check the U.S. Copyright Office and the title there is Too Many Girls. So that's all I know about that. We got a note from Brian Harwell. Hi, Brian. Um, He reported that Mike's song, Different Drum, may actually have been familiar to at least some members of the audience. I had said that the audience wouldn't have recognized it at all because the Stone Ponies version had not yet been released. But it was originally recorded by a bluegrass group called the Greenbrier Boys. And they released it on a 1966 album called Better Late Than Never. And I think we're going to try to put in a little clip from that song now. Here you go. child I've got my doubts you can't see the forest for the trees 
I think we're also going to have a link to that in the show notes, by the way, if you want to see that on YouTube. But, Melanie, what about the, the white shirt and hat controversy? That's the big one. Oh, my goodness. Flashing back to Too Many Girls, right after Davy runs away to judge the beauty contest, we see the other three guys wondering where Davy went. And Peter is holding a white cowboy hat and a white shirt. I'm going to ask if we can play the clip from our previous color cast commentary to show exactly what it was I, I talked about at that time. Now, what is this white shirt and hat? That- <laughs> yeah, there had to have been a deleted scene. It also felt like there was a potential for uh, a romp here where, uh, you know, Davy's on his way dragging the chair. Possibly. Mm -hmm. So when I heard Sarah and Craig say that, it suddenly dawned on me what had been removed from the episode. The white shirt and the white hat is what Davy was wearing in a romp set to last train to Clarksville in the episode Monkeys at the Movies. Think back. Peter was tied to the railroad tracks. Oh, yeah. He was wearing a black cape and a mustache, and Davy was wearing an all-white costume, including a white cowboy hat. I remember that. To save the day. Now, think about this. In Too Many Girls, Davy was chained to a chair and watching a TV show, and the TV show was The Iron Horse, a TV show set in the late 1800s on a railroad. Davy was watching a show about a train. Look at that. Insert last train to Clarksville, romp, set on a train. Romp ends, Davy hears the knock on the door, sees the invitation to judge the beauty contest, runs away. The other monkeys come downstairs and discover the white hat and the white shirt. Where did he go? That romp was filmed for Too Many Girls. It wasn't used in Too Many Girls. Maybe the episode ran too long and they had to cut it out. But they dropped it into Monkeys at the Movies, which was actually filmed earlier but aired later. So there would have been lots of time in between the filming and airing of Monkeys at the Movies to drop in an extra two and a half minutes of romp. Ta-da! Incredible. And ladies and gentlemen, that is why Melanie is known as TV Girl. Woohoo! Because Melanie can figure all of this stuff out. I, I could not, when it hit me, it, it just about knocked me off my chair. <laughs> Brilliant. And I posted it on the Facebook group. I posted it on the Monkey Magic Facebook group. Peter Tork's page reposted it with, oh, my God, how come we never noticed this before? It's just I have not yet talked to anybody who had noticed that parallel before. That's brilliant. I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so weird. <laughs> well, this may be a monkey's first for you. Oh, it was so exciting. <laughs> 
Very, very cool. I, I really love these monkey mysteries being solved on Zilch. Me too. Well, anyway, we're here to talk about Son of a Gypsy. Um, and, you know, as always, before we get into the actual commentary on the episode, we'd like to talk about the writers and cast members and directors that appear on the work on this episode. So this episode was written by some familiar names, Trevor Silverman, Gerald Garner and D. Caruso, directed by James Frawley. We've got quite a cast, and this is a probably one of the bigger casts in Monkey's episodes. There's quite quite a few guests on this because of the huge gypsy family here. So we've got Gene Arnold as Maria, uh, Vincent Beck as Marco, Vic Tabak, who uh, should be known to a lot of people, as Rocco, Gene Donarski as Zeppo, Mario I'm sure I'm not pronouncing this properly. Rakuzo as Kiko, Elizabeth Camp as Madame Rantha, and the appearance of Mr. James Frawley as the Yugoslavian guest, which is a very, very cool add-on to this. So, Melanie, do you want to give us a little bit of background information on Jean Arnold? Sure. Jean Arnold was probably her most enduring role was as a regular member of the cast of the soap opera The Guiding Light. Oh, right. She was a recurring character on a show I've never heard of called The Kara Williams Show, but mm. good for you, Jean. <laughs> she appeared on many different uh, shows in the 60s and 70s, including I Spy, The Farmer's Daughter, Bewitched, and Please Don't Eat the Daisies. Oh, I've heard of that one. How about Vincent Beck? Well, he's a very familiar face to Monkeys fans. We've already seen him in the episode Royal Flush as Sigmund. And nice. he's going to show up again in the second season in Card Carrying Red Shoes as the dancer Ivan, dancing the uh, Chicken Lake with Mickey. His very first role was this in the movie Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. And he appeared on Gilligan's Island, Get Smart, Gunsmoke, The Girl from Uncle, and that's just the G's. If it was on TV in the late 60s and early 70s, he was probably in it. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, next up is uh, Vic Tabak as Rocco, and he was previously seen on Your Friendly Neighborhood Kidnappers. He'll appear again in Art for Monkeys Sake, uh, best known for Mel and Alice. And I remember when I was a little kid when Alice was on... Uh, he was the the cook in the back, and you always saw his face through the window. So uh, that was my biggest memory of Vic Tabak. Um, he's also been on F Troop, Man from Uncle, I Dream of Genie, Daniel Boone, Family Affair, Captain Nice, Get Smart, Mission Impossible, That Girl, Land of the Giants, Here Come the Brides, Bonanza. I mean, God, what has this guy not been on? And, of course, my favorite, Star Trek, the original series, and... Uh, many people who listen to Zilch may know that myself and Craig Cohen have a Star Trek, the original series podcast called the Tricorder Transmissions. So we're very familiar with Vic Tabak's appearance on the uh, the famous original series episode, A Piece of the Action, where um, he played a uh, gangster from the Chicago er uh, area in the 1930s. So that was a, re a really, really cool episode. One that Gene Roddenberry was not too uh, happy with. He was not happy with the comedy aspect of Star Trek, the original series. And there were very few comedy episodes, that one and The Trouble with Tribbles. And he kind of put the end uh, to the comedy in uh, the original series. So uh, next up is another one who also appeared on Star Trek. That's Gene Donarski, who is Kiko in this episode and will appear again 
uh, in Monkey Chow, Maine, wearing uh, pretty heavy makeup. He also, as many other uh, Monkey's guest stars, he appeared in Batman, The Big Valley, Mission Impossible, Adam-12, Mannix, Bonanza, and a couple of appearances on Star Trek, the original series, probably most prominent in the episode Mud's Women, which was the introduction of the Harry Mudd character in the original series. He played a uh, miner known as Ben Childress, who was uh, waiting for the delivery of his, uh, I guess, quote-unquote, mail-order bride uh, at the hands of Harry Mudd, there were three women who were being delivered to these miners who were living on this uh, planet, mining up crystals for the Federation to use. And uh, he he played that character. It was a, a really awkward, strange role. Uh, he also played another character later on in the original series called Krodak in the episode Mark of Gideon. So uh, a pretty cool throwback there. For Gene Donarski. So, do you want to continue, Melanie, with Mario? Oh, you forgot that Gene Donarski was also on Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, good point. Yes, he did play a Starfleet officer in Star Trek The Next Generation. The episode title is actually numbers. It's 1100-1001. Okay, well, I'll pick up with Mario Rocuzzo. He was in a lot of episodes of a lot of TV shows in the 60s and 70s, including Surfside 6, The Lieutenant, All in the Family, The FBI, Ironside, Barnaby Jones, Serpent. Barney Miller, and this will be a blast from my past. I'm not sure about you. The Wonder Woman movie starring Kathy Lee Crosby. I don't think I've ever seen that. It was a very interesting sort of non-canonical, different background to Wonder Woman altogether. She was blonde and basically wearing a big full-length jumpsuit. Oh, yeah. I I don't believe I've ever seen that. I've, I've seen the Wonder Woman TV series, but that that one does not sound familiar to me at all. Um, moving on, Elizabeth Camp um, playing Madame Rantha. We saw her previously signing up for dance lessons in Dance oh, Monkey right. Dance. And I said at the time that she might have been preparing, uh, taking dance lessons in anticipation of her big ball that <laughs> <laughs> she's running in this episode. Except for her two appearances on The Monkees, there are only three credits in IMDb for her. For all I know, she may have been a, a mostly a stage actress, um, but the three credits she had were for three things I've never heard of. 13 West Street, The Chapman Report, and Karen. I've never heard of any of them. Neither have I. And of course, finally, James Frawley yes. making his first appearance on screen in The Monkees as the Yugoslavian guest. Yeah, so I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I am going to say that this appearance by James Frawley on The Monkees may very well have inspired the Borat character. If anybody is familiar with Borat, I'm sure many of you are, but this is the the Sasha Baron Cohen character. They look very much alike. (laughs) So I may be off base here, but that's the the thing that I thought of immediately when watching this episode back to uh, do this commentary track is it struck me as a a possible inspiration for that character. So the filming for this episode wrapped on October 27th of 1966 and wound up airing on December 26th, 1966, which to me seems like a really quick turnaround time uh, to get an episode out. Two months isn't that bad. They had longer turnarounds at the beginning simply because they had the whole summer to film before they had to start putting them on the air. But this was the 20th episode filmed and only the 16th episode aired, so it did get bumped forward a few slots in the in the sequence but it's two months 
The same day that this episode aired, the day after Christmas, um, the monkeys were on stage for their second concert. The first one was the one in Hawaii, which was in the beginning of December. And then right after Christmas, they did a whole series of concerts starting on the 26th in Denver. Hmm. Also, the week that they were filming this episode back in late October, that same week, think about this, Mm -hmm. October 1966, Boyce and Hart were in the studio recording the instrumental tracks for Teardrop City and Looking for the Good Times. That blows my mind. Blows my mind. So you know what? That that really hits home because you don't really realize when you listen back to the Monkees albums when the actual backing tracks for a lot of those things were recorded. I mean, uh, you know, these these songs, Teardrop City and Looking for the Good Times, didn't wind up being on actual Monkees albums till very late mm-hmm. in the in the release cycle. And you know, having them been recorded this early on it really kind of makes you think differently about the monkeys musical catalog Mm -hmm. i was really surprised to see that of course i got that information from andrew sandoval's book the day by day story so yay for that wonderful reef reference guide ah yes mr sandoval is a fountain of wonderful knowledge and speaking of songs uh we've got only two songs on this episode i'm a believer which appeared on a lot of monkeys episodes and let's dance on and there were no substitutions in the 67 or 70 so this episode has been relatively untouched i guess so the i'm a believer performance includes you know, them performing the songs. They couldn't swap a, a different song in for that because mm. of their lips moving to the words of I'm a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, the fragment of Let's Dance On doesn't last very long. No, if they it's made very a, short. If they made a substitution, I'm not aware of it. I, okay. okay. Also, this is the fourth appearance of I'm a Believer on the show, four consecutive episodes. This is the last. We're not going to see it again. Oh, well, that's good. It was a very, very popular song mm-hmm. at the time. So it makes... Perfect sense that it was included so many times. Yep. So, Melanie, are we ready to jump into our commentary on this episode? Hands on the remote. All right. So, everybody out there, get ready. Get your remotes. Get your DVDs, your Blu-rays, hopefully. Uh, your streaming oh. media, YouTubes, what have you, ready. That we reminds are... me. <laughs> let me. Let me say one more thing to the folks oh, sure. out there. No, go ahead. Um. I did a side-by-side comparison of the Blu-ray to the version that's on YouTube, which I think is from the DVD. Mm. The timing is slightly off. Mm. I think they lengthened the black space where the commercials would have gone. Okay. Um, by the end of the – I started them in unison, and by the end of the episode, the um, – YouTube was about three seconds ahead of the, the Blu-ray. Hmm. So if you're watching on the Blu-ray, we're going to gradually get ahead of you. But it's not by much. Okay, fair enough. Good warning for everybody out there. So you have all been adequately warned uh, the differences in your media. So if you're ready to hit your play button. I am indeed. Okay, we are going to re- start this commentary track in three, two, one. Okay. There's one thing I want to point out about this opening scene, and that is that Mm -hmm. Davey is holding his little three-quarter size Gretsch bass that was custom-made for him. And this is, I think, the only time it appears on the show is in this scene. Um, He's just holding it. They've just had their audition for Madame Rantha. 
um, strangely enough, we will not see that bass again later in the episode when they're actually performing at Madame Rantha's dance, which would seem to be the obvious time for them to use it. But anyway, it's a cute little thing. It is. I I love this setup with the uh, the two groups in the hallway uh, setting the gypsies up as the villains and, and the monkeys as the good guys. Uh, I thought this was a really, really great uh, setup to the villains in this episode. And I kind of, I really like the takeoff on the Maltese Falcon here <laughs> with the Maltese Vulture. That really makes me laugh. And, uh, you know, you get a, a little bit of the aggression here mm-hmm. from Marco. Uh, you know, kind of letting us know he's he's the 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 kind of the the heavy, yeah, for the gypsies. It's never actually stated, um, but it's kind of clear that he's the oldest son. Yes, and the others are his little brothers. Yeah, he's the number one son. And, and uh, he- the nail biting gag, you know, I I didn't wasn't quite sure. I I completely got the nail biting gag the first time I saw it. Yeah. Uh, looking back at it, I, I understood what they were going for. It just seems like a really quick gag. I wonder if that's the same nail that got put into Mike's tire, oh. the Monkey Mobile's tire in the episode Too Many Girls. Oh. And the reason for that for that callback is going to show up a little bit later. But just remember that the the curse in Too Many Girls involved pepper and a nail. Right. And that may have been the same nail. It, it was very a big, well might have big been. nail. That was a huge nail yeah. he had in his hand. And I love the classic don't call us, we'll call you gag. Yeah. <laughs> it was executed really, really well there. And, uh, you know, I still laughed at it. Yeah, she's having, a great character. Yeah, having seen this episode so many times, uh, you know, watching it back to do this commentary, I, I still got a giggle out of that ad. And, you know, the, the, the thing that really stands out to me a lot about this particular episode is there are a lot 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 of little tiny gags mm-hmm. littered throughout this episode and you know we we do get a lot of gags in, in most monkeys episodes but this one has a lot of them more i think than most monkeys episodes yeah let me put a, a thought to you now that sure. we're coming out of credits the title son of a gypsy is referring to I don't son know. Of, son of a bitch. Ooh, really? I think that's it, it's an intro. I mean, what else could it be? I don't know, but I didn't think that the title necessarily fit the episode. I mean, the gypsy part does, but I don't. I wasn't quite sure what the son of a part. Well, it, if Maria is the gypsy, yes, that makes her the bitch. Maybe I don't know. It's it, uh, that's a. <sighs> <laughs> I, I'm really not sure. This is something that we would have to pose to uh, the the writers of this episode. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I love one thing I really dug about the the comeback after the credits was that Davy uh, kind of states the obvious because you, you think to yourself, why would they bother to show up mm-hmm. to this invite? I mean, they agreed to do it, but I love the fact that Davy says this, this was a bad idea. Yeah, Peter seems to be the only one who thinks it's a good idea. (laughs) At least Davey has it in the presence of mind to say, listen, this might not be the best thing to do. (laughs) Uh, And you know know, what else stuck out to me, Melanie, about this episode? What? You know, in in my mind, this this could be a really dark episode of the monkeys. I mean, these gypsies are planning to kill 
Oh yeah, the monkeys, um, and you know we've 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 all watched every episode of this series, but this to me seems. I mean, they they play it for for the jokes, but you know, there's so many references in this episode to either killing or harming. Yeah, the monkeys in some way. Mm-hmm. I think it's the juxtaposition of the the threat of violence with the external. Um, display of what appears to be hospitality. Now, look at the screen. Mm-hmm. See that salt shaker? Yes. Remember the shaker of pepper? Pepper in a nail? Oh, right. That's the same shaker. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just got screen caps of that today and compared them, and it's the it, they're the same set, basically. The pepper from the previous episode, the salt from this episode, same shaker. Wow. That's a great, great grab there, Melanie. I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. And you know, this this part right here that we just went through, this is something that I wanted to, to, to point out, too, is that you've got more references to knocking the monkeys out, drugging them. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that seems so dark for the monkeys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it really sticks out to me. I mean, having seen so many episodes, uh, I, I don't recall other episodes where the monkeys were in that kind of grave peril. Yeah, that's very clear that that Maria would have happily cut Peter's throat if it would have um, accomplished what she wanted to accomplish. So that's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is a kind of scary setup, and yeah, from beginning to end, it's it's got a lot of violence. I'm also I'm very uncomfortable. This is one of the episodes that I call a stereotype episode. Yes, Um, gypsies really are you know, real people. And Mm -hmm. this is very much relying on some of the worst stereotypes of, of gypsies. I plan to bring that up too. And I'm glad that you did because this really, to me, seemed like a, a biased Mm -hmm. way to look at gypsies. Oh my God. I just realized Marco was wearing that fleece vest. (laughs) Yeah. That is a very strange. Um, It's in head. It's in some, something else too. Oh, the um, chief band bandit in, it's a nice place to visit. Was wearing it. Oh, really? That sheepskin vest. Yeah, it, it gets used again and again. I'd never noticed it before. I and wonder. I watched how, this episode about twenty times. How did they do that shot of uh, Davy's feet dangling in the air? Uh, well, he was supported from above when he was dangling, and supported from below when you were looking at his face. Of course, but I mean, it just seems very interesting that they went that far uh, to make Speaking- that effect happen. Speaking of how they did it, and of course we're past that scene now, but the knives um, emerge from behind of that uh, big board. And there's a joke here where um, when you think of gypsies, you think of dancing, and mm-hmm. Peter says, I think of Ethel Merman. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Ethel Merman was the original Broadway star of the play Gypsy. And uh, poor Peter gets uh, instantly wrapped up in the uh, – well, in the up oh, and. This is a really cool scene with Mike. I really love the whole there's no bumps on your forehead <laughs> gag. This is Yeah. And you know you notice that Mike's the wool hat doesn't move when this guy is messing with his head looking for yeah. bumps. <laughs> How tightly did that hat fit? I don't know. Yeah, poor he, Mike. he was constantly adjusting it, but Oh man. So, so anyway, here they've the all been, been captured. All tied up, even Davy. There's no reason for Davy to have been tied up. They were throwing knives at him, but he wasn't in, incapacitated in any way. Those are some loose ropes. They're always loose. Every oh. single time you see them tied up, the ropes are just draped. I, I've never 
can't remember ever seeing a scene where somebody being tied up was more than just having ropes draped. I don't know if that's a time saver or something to do with the sensors or, or what. That's a good point. I'm not sure if that was something that they, the sensors would have been uh, sensitive to. And I, I, I love really quickly. I love the recurring sugar cube gag. Yeah. <laughs> as if Marco was a horse and uh, she, she pulls up the sugar cube and he immediately gets happy and eats the sugar cube off of her hand. It happens several times. Yeah, the implication being that he's really stupid. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Which uh, I don't know. True. <laughs> and you know, and once again, I, I you know, I might sound like a broken record here, but during this sequence, we have the implication of torture. Yep. Being applied to the monkeys, and here we go. Actually, we're seeing it now. Davy yep. is strapped to the rack, but we have this hot poker concept. Mm-hmm. Um. So we're supposed to believe that the monkeys are going to be gravely injured yep. by these gypsies. And, and to me, you know, for a show that's, you know, comedic, it seemed really dark to me. I love the fact that Davy is super tall as they're being stretched out, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> but, you know, that that's something that really stood out to me about this episode is that the monkeys were uh, either going to be killed or maimed. Yep. In some way, Absolutely. shape, or form. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I keep saying the same thing, but I just feel weird that uh, we're, we're getting implied that they're going to be tortured. And They're also milking this because they are. Um, Marco keeps saying, now, mama, now, yeah. mama. You know, they're – she just nodded With a yes. poker in his hand. Well, yeah, except he picks up somebody else's lamb chop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. And, you know, this this part of the episode right here where Mike does his heroic voice. But then immediately asks if the others thought that he delivered the line well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Mike Nesmith's heroic voice here, though. It is so good. It is. That is so good. It's so different. I mean, look how how his facial expressions just <laughs> – he, he is able to act that out so well. Okay. Now watch – I think it's Gene – no, it's Vic Tabak who grabs Mickey and kisses him. Oh, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> and then and then, and then, then there's the there's the now mama uh, – the disappointing now mama with the uh, hot poker in his hand. Okay. Observe the um, hmm. diagram of the house. Has a single corridor going straight down the middle. No bends, no turns, just one corridor straight down the middle. Yep. And then she asks the monkeys how they would go about stealing the uh, vulture. <laughs> vulture yeah. This is a wonderful sequence. It's Each one takes a turn. Even Peter, who doesn't usually do plans, comes up with a, a reasonable one, go on the outside and climb in a window. But as they <laughs> – of course, you know, it was Professor Plum in the library with a candlestick. Of course. So, you know, as somebody who has constantly advocated for the release of – the monkey's incidental music from these shows. I've got to say that this episode has some really cool incidental music in it. We've got some gypsy-esque incidental music yeah, and some other really cool stuff coming up later. And I just really, really wish that someone would get behind, uh, someone at Rhino would get behind putting together a couple discs of this music because people put a lot of effort into making it. I agree, but I think it's been pretty well established that the problem with that is that the incidental music is on the same track with the dialogue. 
Mm-hmm. They don't have it separate. That's a shame. That's a real shame. Yeah. Did you notice that they signed? Yes, the I, that was Davy writing upside down. <laughs> so here we have uh, Let's Dance On. And what's really odd about this, oh, by the way, that's the ballroom set, green walls, fluted yep. pilasters, blah, blah, blah. Here's the stage. Mm-hmm. Look at them. They're just standing there. Even Mickey is standing in front of the drums. And are we supposed to believe that Marco is wearing Peter's monkey outfit? Yeah. That seems a little far-fetched to me. Marco is huge compared yeah. to Peter. They would have had to have made a special a special one for him. And also, um, he's holding seven maracas, which means he does not break Davy's record of eight maracas at one time. <laughs> Great observation. <laughs> <laughs> but what struck me as really strange is Peter is a hostage back at the gypsy yeah. camp. Wouldn't this be an obvious time for Davy to be playing his little miniature bass? You would think. There you go. You would think. They had it on the set. They could have used it, but they, they didn't. Especially since they had um, Marco on the maracas. Exactly. You know, what's Davy going to do? <laughs> well, you know what? To me, this something that struck me is that the monkeys got hired to play this gig. They're not playing an awful lot. They're no. not really earning their keep. Uh, no. <laughs> now here we have James Frawley. Yeah, he is. Wearing a rather ridiculous looking mustache, but um, I just – Watching him react to Mickey's somewhat absurd, don't say anything, just listen to me. <laughs> yeah, but this, this to me, this is a, a great example of Mickey's acting abilities. He does such a great job in this scene. It's mm-hmm. unreal. I mean, seriously, guys, watch this. Rewind it and watch it a second time because he now. does such a great job. Yeah, not now, <laughs> but later. Rewatch it a second time. He does such a fantastic job mm-hmm. pulling that gag off. Sure. And I, I love the fact that um, Mike and Davey split the two-cent return yeah. <laughs> on that bottle. Some of our listeners might not remember when you used to get a, a cash deposit back when you returned your bottles yeah. to the store. Only certain states in the U.S. still do that. Yeah. So, Melanie, as the uh, TV girl and, and writer of Monkey Magic, I have a question for you. Uh-oh. Does Davy Jones normally wear a wristwatch? I don't know. Because now he, I have a question for next time. <laughs> he prominently displays that watch two times mm-hmm. in this episode. And, and frankly, I don't remember Davy wearing a watch. Look at Davy's on top. Yeah. Height-wise, he would have had to been sitting on Mickey's back to do that. Okay, now remember earlier I mentioned one straight corridor straight down yes. the middle of the house? Yep. Now the corridor has a 90-degree angle in it. It does. Oh, good point. <laughs> good point. I love this scene. While it, while it mine his now. While it mine his, yeah. <laughs> I, I really feel like that might have been improv. I have a copy of the script, and you're right. It does say that they're faking a robbery, but the while it mine his now part is not a line in the script. I'm so glad that that's true because that really, really makes it obvious how great these guys were at improving this stuff and how much of the show actually was improv. Yeah. I love this kind of boxing glove scene. Where the hell does boxing gloves come from? Well, the boxing gloves were in the script, but the the whole this whole sequence was just about a page. I mean, they really improved the hell out of these very short scenes. I love watching them try to blow out these matches. Yeah, look blow, at Mickey's blow. face when he can't blow the match out. He does such a good job. He's like trying not to crack up. That's so great. And I love the fact that littering finally gets these two guards to break their post. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. 
And they had to make this custom sign to fit on this garbage can. Right. That's great stuff. This this is some of the stuff that makes the show so magical mm-hmm. to me. Is that, you know, the, so many comedies existed back then, but they just went that extra mile to make this show extra zany. Right. Now the guards are back on duty, but Davy's already inside the room. Yeah, Davy slipped in. Uh-huh. Unseen. More great incidental music yep. here He's- with Davy in the room with his bag. I think that <laughs> this is, again, I really wish we could get this music. I know, I know it's probably not possible, but such great stuff. He's conjured up a bag, and he's conjured up a light, and then he conjured up a flashlight because the candle wasn't good enough. Yeah, monkey magic. Mm-hmm. And wait until he starts to open this bag and pull yeah. out all sorts of stuff. It's more. This is probably my favorite gag it in is. the whole show. <laughs> I love that he breaks the fourth wall. Davy breaks yeah. the fourth wall when he sees the picture of the safe on the wall. He looks at the camera briefly. <laughs> and he does such a great job. At <laughs> yeah. And then all the tools he pulls out of his Mary Poppins bag. Crowbars and, 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 and bolt cutters and a sledgehammer and a big giant And then axle. he reaches in and a rabbit. <laughs> a rabbit. You know, again, some of the stuff that makes the show so funny. And, you know, I got to give Davey props for this. I mean, he's, you know, he's a musician. He's not a safe cracker. But here he is, uh, you know, planting charges to blow right. up a safe. Well, they've tried that before, and they always blow up the wrong thing. Of course. But keep an eye on the, the cables that he attached to that frame mm. around the safe. Um, he just took them off, mm-hmm. and now he's going to do something else. And the script called, stethoscope. Yeah, the script called for him to hear the song Hello, Dolly. Oh, but really? Instead, he's hearing Last Train to Clarksville. Good gag, though. Excellent gag, but Hello, Dolly, they would have had to pay somebody for the use of it. I think Last Train so, to Clarksville actually works better. Okay, the second pair of hands? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty that? sure that's Mike Nesmith. Oh. He has a, an injured uh, ring finger on his right hand, and okay. I slowed it down and watched it frame by frame, and I'm pretty sure that's him. Hmm. That would be a really good interview question for him. Oh, I just missed it. When he walked past the safe, the cables were back. They were. There was a little continuity error there. Now watch her. She's not going to do anything other than just pull. That thing was open the whole time. I know. I was going to mention that. (laughs) I I love the fact that she brings her her party friend in there to show her the the vulture. Mm -hmm. Like some kind of prized possession, but she keeps it in a safe. If well, it was that important to her, wouldn't she have it on display somewhere? No, I, I can see this. You know, it's an incredibly valuable thing, and she's got a whole bunch of guests in the house. She's not going to leave it out where somebody could steal it. I guess. But on the other hand, she wants this friend to see it, so. And here's Mickey doing another messy-haired, crazy, zany <laughs> character. This Watch is... Mike. Watch Mike. He smells her hair. Yeah, he's really interested in her hair. <laughs> yeah. I, I really love this character that Mickey's doing here. Yeah, it's great. Hold it yeah. up to the midnight. He's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and he's got these buttons stuck to his shirt. Maybe on the Blu-ray. This may be a good case for the Blu-ray that you could freeze yeah. frame it and see what those buttons were. I have to do that now that I have a Blu-ray to look at. There you go. Yes, poor Peter. He's like, thank you. And then so, seconds later, he's got all the knives pointed at him again. You know what's interesting about that, though, Melanie, is that I I was kind of surprised that they had the overhead shot of Peter holding that vulture with the gypsies. I mean, mm-hmm. that deliberately was done that way because they had a, a scene of him holding it from the front. So they mm-hmm. really went out of their way uh, to here- shoot it from the top from that window scene. 
So what is this? What's the deal with this guard? Well, they think the monkeys stole the vulture, and the the gypsies just happened to be in a position to to rescue it. So the guard is holding the monkeys at gunpoint to turn them over to the police. I guess. I, I love noticed that they're she all back in their it. in their blue eight button shirts. Mickey and uh, Mike were wearing uh, tuxedos a moment ago, okay. and now we have our romp to. I'm a believer. I think in my mind that may be one of the best romp setups that they've done. It it leads so naturally into the romp because you've got um, the the theft of the vulture mm-hmm. and it leads directly into the romp. It seems like such a natural progression. The romp is not um, abruptly edited in. Uh, it was specifically led up to. It's really interesting is that while the guys are fighting it out, Maria is stealing everyone's jewels and wallets. Yes. And the onlookers are applauding what they're watching. And eventually it's going to turn into a football game. And if you think about it, the vulture is kind of vaguely football shaped. Mm -hmm. And so you'll actually see them, you know, holding it and passing it around as if it were a football. Hmm. So they've turned the dance into a football game with the spectators watching and applauding. Nice. Nice observation. And I, I, this to me, this scene, this romp really hammers home the gypsy stereotype because you see them pickpocketing people mm-hmm. quite a bit. And, you know, even today in, in 2016, there are plenty of people who identify as gypsies. In fact, I think there's some reality shows right now that center around gypsies, you know, my gypsy yeah. wedding and things like that. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, is it's interesting to me that in the '60s that we're putting these shows on the air that really uh, are stereotypical and and kind of paint gypsies in a bad light. Oh yeah, and also that they're basically treating gypsies as if they were some sort of myth, right? Which is unfortunate. Um, I, that's why I put this one in the stereotype episode. So now we have the football thing going on. Yeah, suddenly the monkeys have gold football helmets. Yeah. On. And Peter is giving them some sort of water he's, out of a bucket. He's a water boy. Yeah, they used to do it that way with dippers. Mm, poor Peter. So probably, this is really, to me, this is an interesting romp because it's, this is one of uh, – maybe one of the only romps that's all self-contained in the same room. Mm, I mean it seems like in a lot of yeah. the other romps, they're outside, they're running around, they're doing things or in different places. This one yeah. is all within the same room. Well, think back to Royal Flush, which oh, yeah. was, by the way, same room, True. sword fight in front of a room full of guests, and they'll do it again in Prince and the Paupers. And this is the same ending we saw in Monkeys in a Ghost Town. Hmm. As they're being let off by the police, they're saying, yeah, we think show business is what our future is. <laughs> <laughs> now, So, Melanie, how many episodes did those tan monkeys outfits Show up in the, the I'm a believer ones. I, I that may be the only time I'm not sure. Sh- oh no, they were used at least one other time. But here's something I want to point out. Um, Mike realizes his watch is gone. Yep. And Davey realizes his watch is gone. Now Mickey notices that his wallet is gone. Those gray pants don't have any pockets. Oh wow, good point. So I don't know where Mickey's wallet was. <laughs> 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 and how did she steal Peter? I love that ending. That's great. 
but going back to the the white eight button shirts, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure they're going to be in the case of the missing monkey. Oh, okay. I'm not 100% positive, but I'm about 83% sure. Okay, so we'll make sure that we look at that in the That's case. It's the very of the next episode monkey. in line, so All we'll right. talk about it next time. We will talk about it next time. <laughs> so we are now at the end of Son of a Gypsy, which means it's time to vote on our most valuable monkey of this episode and you know what melanie i'm gonna go first and i'm gonna say that my vote is for davy and that is because i felt like he was super brave to to slip past the guards and go in and try to crack the safe i don't think we've seen any safe cracking abilities displayed by davy and he i think he went the farthest out of the three monkeys to try to save Peter. What do you think? Well, I was going to give it to Davy as well, um, partly for the safe-cracking scene, which I think he played very well. The, all the comedic bits, like with the rabbit and things like that. Also, the scene where he was on the rack, mm-hmm. he started out with his arms slightly bent, and as they pulled him out, he gradually let his arms straighten out, so it really did look like something was happening on the rack, even though it wasn't. So he, you know, he sort of physically led into the illusion very well. So mm-hmm. hats off to Davy for this episode. I agree. So that's two votes for Davy for Most Valuable Monkey. If anybody out there in the Zilch Nation has uh, any opinions on who the most valuable monkey for this episode is, please share it in the Facebook group. We would absolutely love to hear from you. And uh, before we sign off, Melanie, do you have anything else you'd like to say about Son of a Gypsy? I think I've covered it all. All right, and I have too. So thank you all for listening to this commentary episode, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's Monkey's Color Cast. I'm your announcer, Ghosty Timmers. Now, back to the show. So we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Zilch. Jeff, where can people find you on all the social media sites? So folks can find me all over the social medias. I am on Facebook, uh, Jeff Hewlett. I am on Twitter at J underscore B-E-N-J. That's J Benj. Uh, If you're interested in some Star Trek stuff, you can find me and all of my amazing, talented, wonderful co-hosts at the TricorderTransmissions.com. You can check out all of our crazy shows we have going on over there about Star Trek. I think I'm on Instagram too, but I'm not really big into checking that. So, uh, Stick with the Twitter and the Facebook and Star Trek stuff. And remember, those Peter Tork Shoe Suede Blue shows are coming up. Check them out. Get your Zilch buttons. Check the show notes for all this information. You can find us on Twitter at ZilchCast. And you can find us on the Facebook page. Just do a search for Zilch uh, Monkeys Podcast, and we will come up in the search. We want to thank you for being part of our show. We want to thank you for, for listening and spreading the word. Remember, give us a review on iTunes, and we will see you on the next episode of Zilch, a podcast full of monkeys. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right, see you all in the next episode of Zilch. Bye-bye. Here we come. And that's our show. Zilch is an online, nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.
<laughs> Don't now. Now, really, everybody cool it, because I won't be able to get through this. Action. Hey, wow. It's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, gee, that's a nice thought. Gee, that's a neat button. What does it say? <laughs> Let's go again. Hey, that's right, Ken. The color can't... Uh, okay.